0: Welcome to the Betsy Boss
1: Podcast. Welcome back. We are back after wrapping up our series of the final murderous Brian that we've focused on. There's a lot of murderous Brians, it turns out. It's a bad name. It's a bad one. I don't even know. There was Brian Laundry. Oh, right, 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 right. There was this Brian.
0: There was definitely another one, too. I feel like. There
1: certainly was. And you know what? We'll think of him eventually. But finally, we're done with that horrifying tale. And we'll pick back up with that in June. But here we are in May and we're focusing on a new but equally disturbing, if not more disturbing topic. And... I think it's a topic that a lot of us have focused on previously because it's really creepy, it's really interesting, and it's one of the most mysterious disappearances that I think has ever existed.
0: Yeah, but this is a very creepy case, and it's one that I've followed for, I don't know, It's it's been years now. It feels like it's been a lo- longer time, but but it's it's super scary, and I think it's scary because kind of like the Moscow one, there's so much tech and so much like information that you can get now. In this case, spoiler alert, it's the Delphi murders, also known as the Snapchat murders.
1: Which, Which is so creepy. It's so creepy. And I also just feel like none of this stuff would have existed so many years ago, like right. a certain number of years ago. And now we just don't think when we got apps like Snapchat or other disappearing apps or apps that are more kind of yeah. you know instantaneous and quick satisfaction and then gone you know very quickly or anonymous but, or, yes yeah. so that's a good that's a good point too that this stuff disappears but it doesn't really ever disappear because someone's going to need to use this information yeah. if something happens. And that's exactly what happened in this case. I just wonder what the statute of limitations is for how long they have to retain the records that are on oh, Snapchat good, in the archives, you know? That's
0: a good point. Yeah. Because you would think that, yeah, they're not going to retain it forever because buying up all that storage space or, you know, to keep everything indefinitely.
1: Well, and if you think about it, it's the whole world's Snapchat. Right. So like... All of that stuff is in some sort of archive somewhere, and it just, you know, is all gathered there yeah. for purposes of saving the information just in case you need it.
0: Well, and I think it's very difficult, too, to get that information via search warrants and stuff also. Oh, really? I I think it's, it's not the easiest stuff to get, if I remember correctly.
1: Well, it's weird because it's like by using these apps you're sort of absolving yourself of your privacy rights in some kind of way because but then there's still this illusion of privacy because true if you have like a private account or something too or whatever and you're just sending it I guess for the most part directly to another person it's not necessarily a snap story or anything like that right so it's I don't know it's like what we think of it as versus what's actually existing under the surface yeah
0: and we will talk about some of the pictures too um in here because pictures videos whatnot but i wonder if at least for the pictures if they must have had them up front somebody probably saved them down or something you know after they learned the girls disappeared because i feel like to try to go and get that and get that information right away would have been Difficult. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that would have been a difficult road. But anyway, so, you know, we've talked about all the weird stuff that went on with this case and why it's so weird with all this Snapchat and tech elements and everything like that. But maybe what we should do is start with a little bit of the background. Our
0: favorite stuff.
1: Our favorite stuff. Background and timelines. Oh, yeah. We love background. We love a timeline.
0: So just going into Delphi. It's a pretty small town. I, when I looked up the population, I was actually surprised it was this small. Uh, so it's in Indiana. It's typical Midwest, very small kind of rural town. And the population in 2021 was just under 3,000 people, tiny. which is tiny.
1: That is itty bitty. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How does this town even exist? I know.
0: That's I, I can't even imagine a town that small. Gosh. And the victims that we're talking about today are Abby Williams, who was thirteen years old at the time, and Libby German, who was fourteen years old at the time.
1: So really young if yeah. you think about it. Your and
0: typical middle schoolers.
1: Yes, and young for this story to happen to it makes I it really know. sad because they were really children at yeah. the time.
0: Yeah, they didn't even like get into high school or like any you know, to experience all that stuff.
1: And I mean, that's like eighth grade, right?
0: It is. Yeah. They were middle schoolers in eighth grade. And they became friends. (laughs) They
1: became friends.
0: (laughs) In this small town here. Small
1: town in the Midwest.
0: Actually, the small town, too, I believe, is known for their pork butchering facility. Yikes. That's kind of a creepy uh, thing to be known for. Very gross. Yeah. Yeah. but they did not. They did not become friends over their shared interest of uh, pulled pork butchering pigs. Yeah. But they, you know, typical middle schoolers. Like I think they both liked softball. Um, they both were into arts and crafts, which just shows you how like young they were. Um, so Abby lived in Delphi with her mother Anna Williams, and Libby Libby lived in Delphi with her grandparents Mike and Becky Patty, as well as her older sister Kelsey. Even though Libby lived with her grandparents, she was still very close with her mother and father. She didn't see them as frequently, but we'll see. They come up in the story right away and are involved.
1: Just with that background in mind, we're going to start the timeline on the day of the murder, which was February 13th, 2017. And wow, I feel like we've had multiple cases, multiple disappearances take place on or around Valentine's Day.
0: I know. I was thinking about this too. I was wondering if you were gonna bring up uh, good old Asia. Good
1: old Asia degree. Yeah. R. I. P. Yep. If you want to go back to our Asia degree episode, it's another mysterious disappearance, mm. not around a bridge, but on a busy highway, which oof, oh, pretty God. weird. Yeah, these um, kids
0: should not be out here walking around in shouldn't. these
1: places. None of them should. Oh. Ugh, but anyway, the girls had a sleepover at Libby's the night of February 12th into the day of February 13th when the disappearance happened. And the sleepover was happening the night before. They were looking for something to do. They're just having a fun night together on February 12th. And they're wanting to do something on February 13th, the day after the sleepover when they woke up. So the two girls had the day off of school because it was an unused snow
0: day, which I feel like we've had in the past. I feel like I've had that before. I don't
1: know, though. Oh, definitely. Where they let you recycle it. But it it's yeah. weird that they let them use it in February. I when know. Still a snow day. I huh. know. It
0: doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. if Well, no, it wouldn't even be from the year before. I don't know. Right? It doesn't make sense. But. but I
1: guess out west there, too, like they're used to having a ton of snow days yeah
0: yeah true true true
1: so maybe you get like a few a month or something like that yeah
0: maybe it is by month that's a good point
1: right who's to say yeah so the girls decide they want to go to this bridge called the monan high bridge and we're going to describe that bridge in a little bit and what they were going to do is to walk the bridge walk the trails they were going to take some pictures very
0: typical like oh let's 2017. take some instagram picture or snapchat or whatever pictures you know right? middle schoolers
1: take some pics and just like walk this trail it sounded like a really nice day in the woods and the girls asked kelsey the big sister if she would take them but she originally said no
0: which is so sad you wish she had stuck with i know stuck to her
1: guns there and just kept with the no and pulled a big sister status so kelsey unfortunately came around and agreed to drop the girls off on the bridge and the girls asked Kelsey to join them on the bridge, but she declined because she was going to hang out with her boyfriend. Ugh, classic. Her new boyfriend. New, My new boyfriend. Yeah. There's no Jewish class in our <laughs> mm. And she also had to work. So that those were her excuses. And she would not join the girls on the bridge. Lucky for her, but unlucky yeah. for the girls. And
0: it is an important point to make that she didn't go and that they just kind of like off the cuff seemed to invite her. Because uh, it will go to were the girls meeting somebody there. If they were, would they have just off the cuff like invited Kelsey? Al- you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it goes. It to-
1: adds to the evidence of what was going on here. Yeah. What was their plan exactly? You know, with somebody else luring them in, but and we'll get all to. To all that soon.
0: Yes, we will. There's a lot to go through in this case. So describing the Monan High Bridge, it is terrifying.
1: Yes. I so would never, up.
0: never be able to go on it.
1: It's a nightmare.
0: Yeah. It's it's a wooded trail located in a preserve on Deer Creek.
1: Mm, famous for the water bottles.
0: Oh, true. Yeah. Although I think that's Deer Park.
1: Oh, you're right. Damn it.
0: <laughs> Could be a part of the park.
1: Right? Just that creek that goes under the bridge. You
0: know, although I don't, <laughs> I don't think you'd want to be drinking from it after um, this.
1: No, I don't think so either. Yeah.
0: The trails and especially the bridge were popular places for all different types of people. So obviously you have your nature enthusiasts. Hunting was big out there. So there was some private property right around this area. So you would oftentimes see hunters out there hunting on that private property. And then kids in a small town. You know, where do you go? What do you do? This is like Go to the neighborhood bridge. Let's go to the bridge and hope we don't fall off of it.
1: Right? Good clean entertainment.
0: I guess. We're calling it a bridge, but it's really a, an old railroad trestle. And this was abandoned in 1989. So again, we're in 2017, 1989, Taylor Swift style.
1: <laughs> it was, It's a long time. It's a apart. long time.
0: And there was no like upkeep or maintenance on it. So you can imagine the condition that it's in. Um, scary thing. People still like to walk across it and have to mention the drop off the side is 63 feet down it's to the creek below
1: substantial and it's a straight down yes. drop if you don't like heights i mean whew, you'll really appreciate this it looks like you're standing on the edge of the hoover dam almost like it, does. it is just so high and it's a 90 degree yep. drop
0: yeah I've, I've seen some other videos of people going on it and there was one of this guy Go- probably going on it for the first time and he's literally like crawling across it because I would probably do the same if I had to go across it. It's I would not terrifying. try to walk on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um so again, it's, you know, not good condition. Another scary part is it's missing railroad ties, so you could misstep and just like slip All through. To your death. Yeah there's no side rails or anything obviously and again like we said if you fall you're falling straight down 63 feet.
1: It's almost surprising that like the town knowing that people went to this thing for fun all the time didn't like invest in a guardrail or anything.
0: Well they are now I mean that's the one sad thing is this is becoming like yeah a big project to kind of um, revamp it and you know fix it up and everything but it's Yeah, I'm just shocked that so many people would go out there and and just be able to walk across it because I could not.
1: People have no fear, especially in the middle of nowhere. I feel like that's true, too. Yeah, looking for a thrill. Let me just dare you to. Yeah, yeah. jump off the bridge. Like if your friends jumped off the bridge, would you like maybe (laughs) (laughs) the girls get to the bridge and. Kelsey drops the girls off at the trails this happens around 140 to 145 somewhere in there
0: and I will say up front we we get very timeline heavy but I know for people that follow this case it's extremely important like the times and I think it all I don't know being into it myself I think it always helps to kind of paint the picture of how quickly things happened or you know if it make sense or doesn't make sense that something could happen in that time frame that type of thing
1: yeah i think it's important to set the stage that way especially since there is so much mystery around this case it just it helps rule things out and keep things in and all that so at this time libby calls her father derek and makes arrangements for him to pick the girls up at the end of the day very responsible of libby to already set up the pickup and Derek agreed to pick up the girls between 3 and 3.30 p.m. And he agreed that he would call Libby when he was getting close so that the girls could make sure that they were back at the pickup location when he arrived.
0: So all coordinated plans, you know? Yeah, like, all typical. Good,
1: everything set in place and ready to go and ready to pick up the girls when he arrived. And the girls made their way through the trails to the bridge. Ugh. And oof, it's just it's so disturbing at 2:07 p.m., Libby posts two pictures to her Snapchat. And again, Snapchat is really the key to this mystery. It Even is. though we don't really have an answer to the mystery, we have a ton of evidence in the form of Snapchats.
0: And I think that's why this case and and, you know, some other cases capture attention more so than others. It's when you have images like this, like it just makes things so much more real.
1: Yeah, it really does, and it's it's really creepy. So at 2.07, like I said, Libby posts two different pictures on Snapchat. The first one is of the bridge, which helpful. We know exactly where they are. And the second one is of Abby walking across the bridge with a sweatshirt on and her hands in her pockets. And just as a note, this was apparently Abby's first time crossing the bridge. And she seems to be looking down and watching where she steps in the picture. So, you know, as somebody would, very gingerly having to cross this bridge for the first time. She wasn't an old pro at this point, yeah. like hopping across those broken railroad ties. Oh, my she God. She was watching every single step she, every step she took.
0: Although I would take my hands out of my pockets. Me like, too. I would get, get some ooh. balance
1: going, for God's ooh. sake. Like, put them out by your sides or something. It's scary. Right? ready to catch you. Yep. Um and we're going to cover the events as we learned about them over time. This case has had several high-profile press conferences and the details have really slowly been coming to the surface over the years. So we're going to try to tie all those different details together and bring it back to this original timeline so that we can sort of build upon it as more information becomes clear.
0: I'll just say we know a lot more now and we're just going to kind of go through it learning stuff as if we were going through it at the time. So back to Derek, he he calls Libby at 3.11 p.m., letting her know that he's almost there. However, her phone goes straight to voicemail.
1: Not a good sign. No,
0: but I mean, first call. Okay, they could be, you know, they're in in the woods or whatever. They could have bad service or she... Know. phone could die yeah like, yeah whatever. exactly so yeah she could still be there because they put it gave a tentative time so you know not too worried yet then 3 13 so just two minutes later he arrives at the pickup location and again tries to call libby again no answer straight to voicemail Ugh. yeah I would start to get nervous then just
1: absolutely
0: two girls out there like
1: doing god knows what yeah. on this rickety bridge that has not been maintained well, and
0: that's the thing I'm sure first thought is they're injured or you know something happened like that I nobody could imagine what actually happened to them exactly so 3 15 to 3 32 p.m. Derek starts to walk the trails hoping to run into the girls Uh, He encounters a couple other people on the trails. Nobody really saw them or can point um, point him in the girl's direction. He again tries to call Libby, again, straight to voicemail. So at 3.33 p.m., he returns to his car and calls Becky Patty, who again is Libby's grandmother. And this is his mom. So it's a lot of family connections, but hopefully we'll be able to lay them out to make sense. Becky doesn't answer. So Derek calls his sister Tara and leaves a message. Again, just trying to see, has anybody seen the girls? Did they happen to get picked up early or, you know, what's going on? Do they know anything?
1: Meanwhile, nobody is picking up their phone. I know. If I were this guy, I would be freaking furious. Yeah,
0: very true. Like, Like, come on, people. Somebody. I
1: need someone to pick up right now. Yeah,
0: somebody help me out here. Like, I'm all alone here on these trails. What am I supposed to do?
1: Exactly.
0: So he does what anybody would do, I guess. Three thirty-five p.m., he jumps off the bridge. <laughs> he,
1: kills uh, he jumps off. The- what anybody would do.
0: Moan on by bridge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: moaning all the way down. Yeah. So at three thirty-five p.m., he heads back out on the trails again, trying to call Libby. Again, no answer. And then just before four p.m., he finally gets a hold of Becky who then calls Kelsey because, remember, she was the one to drop them off. And this is around 4.12 p.m. She's asking if Kelsey has any info, which she she doesn't. She doesn't know what's going on. So they're covering all bases. Becky calls some of Libby's friends to see if they know anything. And then at this point, you know, nobody has heard from them. No one knows what's going on. I think the family starts to get more concerned and realizing they got to do something.
1: Yeah. And this is honestly the part where I'm sure panic just totally sets in because where is anybody? Mm -hmm. Where are the girls? Why don't we have any word of where they went? This is the spot that we were supposed to meet at. This is where we were supposed to do it and when. And no one's here. We can't get a hold of anyone. Yeah. It's absolutely terrifying. And this is the point at which the family heads to the trail to search. And honestly, with all of the failed responses and roadblocks that Derek was coming up against when he was trying to contact different family members, they got out there pretty fast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very true.
1: Yeah. Because they got out there around 420, which is only about an hour after Derek was supposed to pick up the girls. Yeah. And, you know, not bad. No, that really isn't. Right. And so Becky, grandma of Libby calls her daughter Tara and this would have been Libby's aunt and the two agreed to meet at the trails she also she being Becky calls her husband Mike aka Grandpa Mike and Mike's approximately 30 minutes away at this point and he immediately drops everything and he leaves work right away to meet the rest of the search party at the trails As Becky's leaving, her son Cody arrives home. So it's really all in the family here. I mean, uncles, aunts, you name it. Right. Just coming in and out. It's like full house. Yeah, very true. They're just popping in whenever they want and drinking milk straight from the carton. And Cody also decides to head to the trails, but he's going to drive the route that may have... Been taken by the girls if they tried to walk home, thinking, right. okay, if they tried to walk home, I'll go that direction, yeah. see Maybe if I'll I can intercept them. them, and yeah, see what Which happens. Which is
0: smart. I don't know if I would think of that off the top of my head. Me
1: neither. I definitely would. Yeah. In fact, like I'd be out there on the trail just searching and yeah. shooting blanks left and right. So then Kelsey becomes very concerned at this point. I mean, I know I'd be having a guilt trip and a half. Yeah, yeah. like I dropped them off. I should have never let them go. She leaves her boyfriend's house, and she goes to the trails as well. So the whole family, it's all Libby's family, yeah. arrives at the trails around 4.30 p.m. It's pretty quick. It and is, so yeah. So we got Becky, Grandma Becky, we got Aunt Tara, we got Uncle Cody, and we have Kelsey, the older sister. And Becky, Grandma Becky, also calls AT and T during this time to try to locate Libby's phone. It's really an astute grandma. Here. I know. Going they're media. all
0: they're all really on top of it, and like even checking the boxes, like calling friends. I think the only other thing they could have done is called a hospital to see if you know anybody had been reported or admitted and they're unconscious. But like, I feel like she did everything yeah, you're supposed like, to do. I like
1: this has to be a young grandma. Like, yeah. I
0: think she is fairly, fairly younger.
1: Yeah. Cause she knew what she was doing. Yeah, but She calls at and She tries to locate Libby's phone and annoyingly Libby doesn't have find my iPhone installed. Yeah. So that turns up blank. And Becky also gets in touch with Abby's mother, Anna. So the first member of Abby's family to join the search party. And Anna decides to leave work immediately and head to the police station. So, Grandpa Mike arrives at the trail at 5 p.m. and joins the search. He just keeps calling Libby's phone over and over again. Which I would do. I would do the same thing. And, you know, even though it seems like it's going straight to voicemail, it seems like it's probably dead or doesn't have service. I'd be doing the same thing because that's your only connection to her. Like, you may as well just keep trying. Absolutely. And who knows? Maybe it comes back to life. Yep. So at five twenty, Grandpa Mike reports the girls missing to law enforcement. And again, this is only about two hours. You're you're really right. Yeah, that's good. They were they were on the ball for small town people who are kinda in this far off place where yeah. not much goes on they really knew what was up
0: yeah they jumped into action and I'll, I'll give it to law enforcement too like they kind of jumped into it right away they didn't make them wait 48 hours or no anything they like in the
1: scene five minutes later which yeah. is I think the fastest we've ever seen law yeah, probably enforcement arrive in any of our cases that we've covered probably
0: after law enforcement arrives kind of gets everyone's statements they then launch a coordinated search, bring in more officials around 6 p.m. So again, we'll say it again, like very quick to kind of get things going and to have a big crowd there to begin searching. 6 p.m., 3.10, 3.15 to 6 p.m., pretty good. And again, like you're saying, they're pretty on top of things and how to get the word out. The family starts circulating notifications on Facebook, Somebody also reached out to the local news and the girls were featured, which is pretty amazing, that day on the 11 p.m. news. I think that's pretty rare for that to happen that quickly. Pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is where things kind of, I feel like police could look back and maybe question their decision um, during this time. So between 11.30 p.m. and 11.45 p.m., the search is officially called off. And the reason for this is the area is very hilly. It's very wooded. And truthfully, it is dangerous to search in the dark. So you don't want to create more search and rescue efforts to rescue the rescuers who end up getting (laughs) injured. But even though the official search was called off, family and even some of the officials continued to to search throughout the night unofficially. And... uh, Oh, here's And here's one of the points that I think law enforcement, this was a major oversight that could have been really helpful. I have seen comments that law enforcement turned down an offer to bring in dogs right away. And they would have been used to track down the girls, follow their scent, and hopefully find them. They do bring in dogs the next day at 9 a.m. But, you know, I, I think it... We know how it ends anyway, but I think if they really wanted to be on top of things, they would have agreed to have the dogs come in that night and start searching with them right away.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a shame that they didn't go to that right away and just take that opportunity. Moving on to Valentine's Day the next day. At 8.15 AM, the search starts again. And in addition to law enforcement and fire officials, we also have a big group of volunteers, including family members and all these different people who have organized themselves into small groups to assist in the search.
0: Which I think it's great that family wants to be involved. And again, they're probably just picturing that the girls are injured somewhere. You know, They couldn't travel out of that location, so they're just kind of hunkered down, waiting for someone to find them. They're obviously not picturing this scenario, but if they did have an idea that something, you know, foul play could be involved, I think it's probably best to not have family members involved in that if you can keep them out of it, just because kind of in this case, I think it'd be devastating
1: if you come upon, you know, your family members out there. Right, exactly. Not looking how you want them to look. No. So around 12.15 p.m., a searcher in a group found a shoe on the side of the creek, and this is just creepy beyond measure. Oh, yeah. And he yells out to another group nearby, which included Kelsey, asking what type of shoes the girls were wearing when they left. Kelsey identified the shoe as Libby's. Ugh. So this is just creepy and sad yeah. and really scary. But even
0: at that point, like, I'm just trying to put myself in their mindset. They could definitely think that she tripped and fell and lost her, lost shoe. her shoe. Oh, 100%. You know?
1: Well, and not to mention though i start thinking like this is february in the mid that's true and
0: like, and they were out there overnight when the temperatures dropped exactly yeah. like that that's very true that's very and, true
1: oh you gotta have hypothermia by that point yeah but anyway so in that same group a searcher thought he saw something possibly a deer or something like that on the other side of the creek and he took out his cell phone and he zoomed in on the area trying to get a clearer picture of what it was and when he zoomed in, ugh, he saw the girls. And the bodies well, were found on private property. And this, was about, property. And this was about 50 feet from the shore of Deer Creek. And a set of footprints are what apparently led the volunteers the to the area where the bodies were found. So, ugh, found. just so, yeah. beginning, beginning of a yes, creepy, a horrible, yeah, terrible horrible ending. Disaster. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I I will say too, just to kind of describe things, this creek is pretty wide too. It's not your little backyard creek. Like it's it's pretty wide, and um, crossing yeah. it, you know, would be difficult. Yeah. So now we're moving on. The girls have been found. Around one p.m. law en- around one p.m. law enforcement switched from a search effort to now an evidence recovery effort, and this obviously is what tipped off everybody. Like, uh oh. You know, this this doesn't sound good. So at this time, the news media started to report that two bodies were found. At 2 p.m., police held the first of many press conferences announcing that two bodies had been found, but they weren't confirming the identities. Although, again, 3,000 people in the town, two girls missing, two bodies found in the area they went missing. Like, it'd be crazy if it wasn't them. During this press conference, law enforcement confirmed that they were investigating the matter as a crime and suspected foul play when they were asked why they suspected foul play they said just the way the bodies were found Ugh. that's about all i can say at this point that's sickening oh
1: honestly like this is where your imagination is almost worse than the reality yeah not that the reality isn't grizzly and grim i mean prepare yourself but by the same token it's like okay just the way the bodies were found i yeah. we don't think that Anything happened other than a really bad Bad. situation and foul play.
0: And this little detail, we'll we'll get more information later on, but exactly what you're saying, it is worse than you can imagine, I think, kind of, like, what eventually comes out. This is a big point in the investigation. Another question they were asked was whether the bodies were in the water. And officials said they were on the edge of the water, from what I understood. Yeah, this location with the water and, you know, how they got to the to where their bodies were finally found is still kind of a mystery, but it's something that a lot of people have speculated on as well. So as we said, the press conferences will play a major part in this investigation. Officials did not initially realize, which I think was the same thing in the Moscow case, the immense attention that this case would receive and subsequently the analysis and scrutiny future press conferences would receive. People that closely followed the case would and still do continue to dissect every word and try to, you know, see if they're trying to give certain meaning or details or, you know, trying to communicate something without really saying things. So it's it's pretty crazy. I, I'd be intimidated to be at a press conference like that and have to speak knowing that people are going to take every single word and try to pull it apart and make something of it. So because of this and to protect the case and the details of the case, Officials became increasingly selective about the information they released, and even more so, how they conducted these press conferences. And like we said, armchair detectives tried to dissect everything. and it, it's pretty insane if you read some of the write-ups people have done on these different press conferences and then taking words from, you know, various ones, putting them together, trying to piece things together. it's It's pretty crazy.
1: So February 15th, 2017, this is two days after the disappearance, autopsies are conducted and completed by 12 p.m. And the details don't get released, and those details include the cause of death for both of the girls, and we're keeping those in. Again, this is part of just keeping those details safe so that everything doesn't get so dissected by the public especially because of how much the public is seizing on this case.
0: Yeah, and I I feel like cause of death, too, was probably a really good one for them to try to keep secret um, because the real killer, you know, everybody's speculating was it, a gunshot was it stabbing whatever like that those would be details that the real killer would know so a good way to weed out people
1: that's a really good point that i wouldn't have even thought of <laughs> so approximately two thirty p.m law enforcement holds you guessed it another press conference confirming that the bodies found were those of abby and libby no surprise there and later that day around 7 p.m police put out a statement that Libby's phone was found and that it contained images that Libby had captured of a man on the bridge. This is
0: where it gets so creepy for me.
1: It's so beyond creepy and it's so sad because of this perfect string of evidence that just is useless because it's, it's too late. Yeah. So the image, if we're talking about the images of the man, the image shows a white male with his hands in his pockets while walking. He's wearing jeans and a navy blue jacket. And to this day, no one knows if he's wearing a hat, a hoodie, or nothing at all on his head.
0: It's pretty crazy. Like, if you really take your time and look at the picture for long enough, you can see all of all of those things. I personally think he has a hat on. Mm. Um, maybe with his, like, hoodie pulled up over the hat. But once people point it out, you can see, is that just his hair? Like, Yeah, you can see everything, but nothing at all because the image is so poor quality.
1: Oh, so creepy. And the image, like you said, is really grainy. It's really low quality. And we're going to learn later on that it was sent to NASA and Disney, among other resources, Mm -hmm. to try to clean it up and make the image clearer. So they're pulling out all the stops. They're trying to get animators in this. They're trying to get people who see stuff from space in on this just to clean this thing up and try to – decipher any information that they can from it
0: yeah and they really can't clear it up it's just there's not enough pixels or whatever it is
1: yeah it's oh it's such a shame and police did not identify the man in the image as a suspect at the time and instead just sort of said you know he was simply someone who might have information and they want to talk to him for sure he's a witness but he's not anybody that they were suspecting So in the statement, police also said that they wanted to talk to a man or anybody else parked in the lot near the bridge about what they saw.
0: Which is so, it's so vague. It's really
1: vague. And, you know, this vague statement about cars parked nearby is going to keep coming up over and over again. And it's going to continue throughout future press conferences. And we don't really have clarity even now on the significance of this a man parked in a car yeah. nearby a statement to this day. It's kind yeah. of crazy.
0: And it's weird because I'll, I'll, spoiler alert in another press conference. They ask about a car parked in, you know, a lot nearby. Um, and they ask for, I think it's the person driving it. So not the owner, but the person driving it, but they don't give like the make and model of the car or anything like that. They just say a car as if, they know there's a specific car but they're not giving any of the details on what that car is which just doesn't make any sense to me
1: right and what's also interesting too is the way that libby is characterized as a hero way back at this early on point in the case she's called a hero because she was apparently a quick thinker for capturing this man realizing that something was off with the situation And she basically got evidence in her own case. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's fight or flight, run the other way style. Exactly.
1: Which we all know which one we are. Fight, flight, and fawn. Yeah.
0: So this community is really great. They rally around the families. As the case continues to garner widespread media attention, um, this community really stays close and, and is a good support system. The girls are laid to rest on February 18th and thousands of people attend the service, which was held at Delphi High School. The community also hosts numerous fundraisers. When I was looking up the timeline, there's like a ton within the first couple days even from various organizations that um, are all just fundraisers to help the family and raise money to support them and support the search additional law enforcement are also brought in because they're just getting so many tips they you know just need bodies the right obviously the right bodies the right (laughs) officials not just anybody off the street uh but they really have to bring in a bunch of staff to to take those incoming calls on february nineteenth, 2017 police release an official statement now and this is pretty quick after the images release Saying that the man in the photo is now considered a suspect. So very quick turnaround from, you know, oh, we just want to talk to him to no, he's a suspect.
1: Yeah, I wonder what it was that I know that like that, because they seemed pretty convinced that he was no big deal. Yeah. He was just a witness. He probably saw the girls in their last moments and to all of a sudden, nope, we want him for a whole different reason.
0: Well, I think what it was We learned later kind of there were several witnesses that spoke with police to describe people they saw on the trails and, you know, eventually some sketches are put together. I'm wondering if maybe it was kind of during these initial days talking to these witnesses, you know, they were able to kind of rule other people out, rule everybody out and narrowed it down to just that guy on the bridge and he's the only one we ca- can't account for he was right there obviously you know the last time the girls were seen probably a suspect so we moved to february 22nd 2017 and yet again another press conference this one is really where you know we didn't think it could get any crazier it continues to get crazier the police reveal that libby didn't just capture uh, a photo but she also captured video and audio of the suspect on her phone which is is just crazy
1: and sickening when you oh. realize what he says oh
0: god it's it's oh it's so scary just thinking about being isolated out there and you just you have no options yeah. like somebody comes up to you like what are you gonna do right um so everybody obviously realizes that the image released was probably not a, just a photo it was probably a still from this full video Police said they were not going to release the video at the time, but they did release audio of the suspect on this day. And um, here's the creepy phrase that he says. It's a really short clip. It's down the hill. Oh, ugh, oh, ugh, ugh.
1: sick. It just gives you shivers. Yeah. And it's awful. Yeah. Because if you think about it, I mean, they're on top of this ugh. crazy high bridge with a 90 degree drop. And what could down the hill mean? Nothing yeah. good. No, Nothing no. Good. So if we do dissect what the audio and what down the hill might mean, based on Libby's last Snapchat images of Abby and the image she captured of the suspect, police placed her at the far southeast end of the bridge. So we sort of have an idea where they were in these final moments. And the trail ends at that end of the bridge, and that's where the private property begins. And that private property, again, is where Abby and Libby were found. The end of the bridge also drops off into a steep hillside, again, down the hill. When reaching that end of the bridge, visitors would usually turn around and head back. And the typical practice, because, again, the bridge was narrow and dangerous, was for the party at the end of the bridge to allow anybody who was still on the bridge to cross successfully. And essentially, this would make it so the parties were not crossing in opposite directions on the narrow track. And that would kind of keep the risk of falling down. I mean, granted, the risk of falling was still pretty huge because we're up there and there's stuff missing. It's narrow. It's rickety. But at least allowing one party to cross at a time in one direction at a time sort of limited that risk. So based on these details, a lot of people have speculated that bridge guy, or BG, as he's been called in recent Reddit forums and other uh, different forums of armchair experts, waited until the girls had crossed the bridge, knowing that they would essentially be trapped. Ugh! so it's so scary. I mean, you think about that part where it's customary to let the other party go, and just him kind of forcing them into into a trap
0: well and how creepy too they're standing there like when she probably got this video it's pretty much impending doom where it's like they're watching this guy come towards them and obviously had a bad feeling about it and it's just like you're standing there watching
1: and waiting exactly and you can't do anything because the only other option is
0: where do you go like back over
1: the uh, sprint across the bridge well and
0: then what he like pushes you off or he grabs you or you know knows yeah oh
1: my gosh so he then quickly crosses the bridge and this is the scariest part they think confronted the girls on the southeast end of the bridge and forced them down the hill with his down the hill comment At the bottom of the hill was where Libby's shoe was found. And again, this was on the edge of the creek and their bodies were found on the other side of the creek.
0: Yeah, so we can definitely tell kind of the path that they took. And again, this is, I think, why it would have been so helpful to bring in dogs right away because it doesn't seem like they took a really crazy route. Um, The water might have messed things up um, because we'll get into that. It seems that they crossed the creek to get to the other side. Like, like the chicken to kill the two girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that's, that's pretty crazy too. Again, we'll get into it, but what kind of happened to force them to go across the Creek was the guy forcing them. Did they try to escape? That's why her shoe was off. Oh. Like all these different scenarios, but this is where we're going to end for today. There's a lot more to this case. So this will definitely be a multi-parter. And just kind of ending on this note, at this stage in the investigation, there was definitely a feeling that even in the initial days and then weeks, that the investigation would um, you know, find a suspect and the case would be solved relatively quickly. And you have to imagine, you know, you've you got great evidence, essentially, you have a picture of your suspect. Even though it's not a great one, you've got you know, a picture and audio or video and audio, as we know. So how could that not be solved so quickly? But as we'll come to find out in these other parts, this actually took years to finally be resolved. And actually, we're not even at the resolution yet. We're just kind of getting there today.
1: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod. And our email is betsybosspodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening.